Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Q&A edition of Tuesday Night Jaw on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, your host, Jim Smallman. Hi, how's it going? It's quarter past 12 on a Tuesday, doing this kind of early because I'm super busy doing various other things at the moment. Um, But thank you for all your questions. Uh, I I didn't give people loads of time. I set a few rules like, please stop giving me lists. It's really difficult if you ask me a question. (laughs) I have to list like 10 things uh, on the spur of the moment because I kind of just read these and answer them as I'm going. It just seems to be the easiest way to do. So I think I've got like nearly 40 to get through today. So uh, hopefully I get through yours. Uh, if I don't answer yours, uh, you're the one person who sent me a question who was a dick. So I'm not answering your question. You know you are, you dick. Now, um, some plugs. Uh, Progress, my wrestling company that I own and my two friends, is is got a busy year. Um, and there's a few things that I need to tell you about. So progresswrestling.com is where you get tickets and all that jazz from. Shows that are coming up. Uh, we have April the 6th and 7th in New Orleans. And we've got shows before then. It's just as a rule, they, they kind of sold out um, or they're not on sale yet. But April the 6th and 7th in New Orleans, if you're going out to WrestleMania weekend, come and see us. Uh, if you happen to live in America, come and see us. These are our first... We've done shows in America before, Uh, And they've been great fun. These are the first shows that are actual chapters. They are proper chapters. Um, Our shows in America have always been a big deal and we've always thrown everything into them. But people always used to say, why aren't they chapter shows? Well, these two shows are Names TBC. Expect New Orleans-based puns. Um, So yeah, come to those. Tickets on sale for those. Um, Selling very well. Um, Apparently, we are um, one of the best-selling independent wrestling shows uh, uh, over there during the course of, uh, of WrestleMania weekend, which is crazy because a similar thing happened in Orlando and that's genuinely really cool. Uh, when there's so much stuff going on, um, to have that level of interest in our little company is a badass. So it comes to those, April 6th and 7th. We've started announcing names uh, for that. We've already announced, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to do this off a memory, we've already announced Volta and we've announced Will Ospreay uh, and we've announced Travis Banks and Tony Storm and um, uh, Havoc and Haskins at the Grizzly Veterans and probably some more, but I forget. So um, uh, we'll, there'll be more names to announce. 
Um, so April 6th and 7th uh, in New Orleans. Come to those shows. Um, Super Strong Star 16 is the 5th, 6th and 7th of May at Alexandra Palace. Um, again, uh, that's doing well. It's, it's a big old show. Normally we do Super Strong Style over three days in the Electric Ballroom and it sells out. The whole weekend sells out in about a minute. So we've done it in a bigger venue in order for more people to be able to come and see our showcase weekend. We have announced two people who are going to be in the tournament so far. They're pretty good announcements. Uh, Pete Dunn and Keith Lee. So that's two of the 16. So you sort of see what sort of standard we're going with here. Um, If you want to come along to that, again, progresswrestling.com for tickets. Uh, You can either buy individual tickets or weekend tickets, whatever you want to do. Um, But come and see us there because Super Strong Style is always my favourite weekend of the year and it will be rad. May the 20th, we have our biggest ever show in Manchester. We're back in Manchester this coming Sunday um, at the Ritz, but that show sold out super quick, as all our shows at the Ritz do. People kept saying, why don't you do a big show in Manchester? So we are at the Victoria Warehouse, which is a really cool venue. Um, We've already sold over 50% of the tickets. They've been on sale for a day. So, you know, maybe consider coming along uh, if you fancy it. I mean, if you look at the card for this weekend in Manchester, you get a sense of what we're going to do for a big show there. It's going to it's going to be cool. And it's only a couple of weeks after Super Strong Star, so there'll probably be a fallout from that too. So, you know, get yourself onto that. May the 20th, Victoria Warehouse. Um, and then on September the 30th, we do Wembley Arena, which still sounds a weird thing to say, but it's the biggest show we've ever done. Um, it, it's got the potential to be the biggest independent wrestling show on these shores ever. It's got the potential to be the biggest independent wrestling show in history, I think. Um, so come to that, September the 30th. Um, again, we're busy, but we can always be busier for it. So September the 30th for that. And we announced, uh, the last week or the week before, that we're going on a little excursion. Uh, at the end of April, we're going to Australia. And we're going to, myself and Travis Banks and Glenn Joseph, we're going to New Zealand um, uh, just to sort of make an appearance at a show uh, for SPW in New Zealand, which is really cool. Um, But we're doing some joint shows with our partner companies in Australia. So, you know, we're not taking out 20 different guys and stuff like that, but we are taking an awesome roster with us um, and doing joint shows with our lovely friends in Australia, in Perth, in Melbourne and in Sydney. Um, again, all details for that, progresswrestling.com. God, this is a long plug section. And watch all of our shows, demand-progress.com, including the match I was banging on about on the roundtable last week, which is my favourite progress match, I think, of all time. I think replacing Marty Skill versus Chris Hero, um, uh, which is Volta against Timothy Thatcher, which is just ludicrously good. Uh, from chapter 62, you can watch that now. And every other chapter we've ever done and a load of extra bonus stuff, including a really cool documentary about Bruiser Brody. That's all at demand-progress.com. Um, and my website is jimsmorman.com. That's a load of plugs. And of course, support everything on the Distraction Pieces Network because it's all amazing. Right, to your questions. Sorry about all the plugs, guys. There's a lot on this year. I'm not going to lie. It's only going to get worse from this stage. Um, I apologise. Right then, questions. Mm. I drink a swig of delicious cherry Pepsi Max. Um, hi Jim, this is from Jaden Collins. Hi Jim, I'm from Australia. Oh, that's ironic after what we've just said. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys when you come down under. Keep all spiders away from me, please, Jaden. Um, I'll be going to my first progress shows in New Orleans, then a week later in Sydney. Sweet. Um, I'll keep my question brief. What made now the right time for progress to come to Australia? 
um, I think, if you think about it from a business point of view, um, I mean, we're, we're doing okay. Like, we wouldn't have been able to do something like this when we were going a year because no one knew who we were. Six years at the end of March in, we people kind of know who we are now, which is humbling. But you have to be sensible about this. If no one knew who we were, it would be silly even trying to go to Australia because we've seen... You know, uh, New Japan have got a tour of Australia and obviously Australian fans have reacted amazingly well for that. Um, and, you know, we're much, much smaller, but people still seem really excited. Um, so it comes down to the fact that the business is is well identified enough for us to do it. If we weren't in the position where we're, you know, one of the better known independent wrestling companies in the world, it wouldn't be happening. But we are and that's cool. And we've got we know we've got fans out in Australia and New Zealand who want the support or we do. So um, and plus the fact We've made uh, we've made friends with a lot of other wrestling companies around the world by sharing other companies' content and sharing our content on their on-demand platforms as well. So it's meant that we've got enough friends to be able to do this. Um, plus, it helps that quite a lot of wrestlers uh, who wrestle for us um, uh, are from down under and have obviously put a good word in with those companies. And it's all you know, well, the professional wrestling behind the scenes is probably a lot more friendly than people think it is um, uh, because. I, all we want to do is get on with other companies and try and do as best as possible. So, um, so that's that. I will, um, I will high five you either in New Orleans or Sydney, Jaden. Make sure you seek me out. Lloyd Barrett, hi Jim. Hope you and the family are doing well. Huge fan of the podcast and progress and getting tickets to Super Strong Style Sixteen Day One this week. Make sure you do, uh, which will be my first ever progress show. I've been able to attend. Make sure you high five me, Lloyd. Do you know it works. Um, with Thunderbastards Go being the next ballroom show, I was wondering what would be your fantasy Thunderbastard lineup. Now, if you don't know, um, a Thunderbastard is a match that, that we invented. I say we, John invented. I'm certain John invented. I might have been involved in the invention of it, but I'm pretty sure it was a Briley invention. Um, but I don't have the I don't have the foresight to come up with something like that, and Glenn will be suggesting a reverse battle royal. So um it's normally eight-ish competitors, uh, two guys start, every two minutes another competitor comes in, you can be eliminated via pinfall, submission or disqualification or knockout I suppose. Um, so um, yeah, you pick eight people for that. Um, I mean the eight people we've got for this year, pretty good. Um, uh, eight people, if I could choose any eight people, not even limiting myself to progress. I mean would I go from a point of view of just choosing my eight favourite wrestlers? hard I right let's go with it I'm just going to go gut instinct Lloyd um, Kenta Kabashi because everyone knows he's my favourite wrestler I'm going at, I'm going at the peak of people's peer, uh, careers as well Kenta Kabashi um, ECW era Cactus Jack uh, CM Punk in 2011 uh, Brian Danielson is Ring of Honor Peak. Samoa Joe is Ring of Honor Peak. That's five. Um, Andrade Cien Almas right now. That's six. Uh, Tetsuya Naito, um, just to have the moment where him and Almas are in the ring together for Los Ignobles. Um, so that's seven. And one more. Um, hang on, one more. This one needs to be an underdog, really, I think. Um, Barry Horowitz who wins the whole thing Lloyd the whole thing 
eliminating Kenta Kabashi with a burning hammer. That's not happening. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they can dream. Cheers, Lloyd. Next up is Will. He says, hi, Jim. Hope the family is all good. Yeah, they're all right. They've gone to Ikea, mate. That's why I'm able to do this now. My son is somewhere um, eating meatballs. I um, put his shoes on the wrong feet as I was preparing for him and his mother to go and his grandmother to go out earlier on. And my wife rang me when she arrived at Ikea in Warrington just to say, how did you manage to put his shoes on the wrong feet? And the answer is, I don't know. I'm not a great dad. I'm trying my best. <laughs> but I'm tired and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so to your question, Will. Um, could you explain a bit about the process of progress changing entrance themes to properly licensed music? Uh, if you're not familiar, um, we used to use... So we'd say to a wrestler, what's your theme music? And they would say, like Rampage Brown would say, uh, I will be heard by Hatebreed. And we'd go, sweet, that's a good theme tune. And people would use, you know, in inverted commas, you know, real music. They're still using real music, but, but songs that were arguably more recognisable than a lot of the wrestlers use now. Um, what we now have in place is we either use uh, music made by, uh, for example, Hot Tag Media Works, which is custom-made uh, music that the wrestlers tend to own the copyright for, or um, we use uh, music that has been uh, allowed for us to use by the artist in question. So um, uh, in some cases, it's you know moderately famous people like, uh, like Grand Theft who do... Um, uh, T.K. Cooper's Keep It 100 music, which he's got proper permission to use, uh, or Zack Sabre Jr. using the band Idol's uh, song Mother. And, you know, they're a decent band who got a lot of plaudits for their um, for their album Brutalism that came out last year, which I've been listening to all week, and is fantastic. Um, so we, we, we have to make a switch. Um, so he says, um, what ultimately provoked the decision and what effect do you think it has had? It's a shame uh, Jimmy Havoc doesn't come out to AFI anymore, but it's definitely the right decision for the future. Uh, it's weird watching things on WWE where every ECW is overdubbed and it's just not the same. It is a bit odd. Um, WCW does it more for me because I wouldn't know their music anyway. It all feels very generic and I can't tell what's overdubbed and what isn't overdubbed when you're watching old WCW pay-per-views. Um, to explain... Um, what happened is um, the company grew, and as the company grew, um, and we always had permission to, we always we always paid a PRS fee for for using um, music in the past, and as we grew, that fee went from being something that our little company, when we first started, could afford to our slightly bigger company, definitely could not afford. Um, so we had to make the decision to do that. As the company's grown, we're only going to get bigger. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, and it was just a sensible decision to make, and, and something that if we'd have done from the start, no one would have really noticed, but because we didn't do it from the start, people have noticed. Um, in terms of the effect that it's had, um, I, I actually, initially, it had an effect when we did it very quickly with everybody, but I think now it's settled down and people are kind of fine with it. Um, for example, we're aware that when we brought Rampage Brown back, um, that he had to come out because it was a surprise. He had to come out to his original music and we had to overdub it. Um, uh, but if you noticed, uh, if you're at any of those live shows, he'd come out to I Will Be Heard the two times he's, he's wrestled for us since he made his comeback. He'd come out to I Will Be Heard and then at the end of the match, he would have his new music that he's chosen. And, and just to let you know, just the behind the scenes kind of thing, um, all the wrestlers have still chosen their music. We've got a repository of music that bands and, and that have donated to us um, and they're getting to choose their own music still. So they basically go through the list and go, oh, I like the sound of that and use it. Um, and I think it's just a case that everyone everyone will get used to it eventually. Yet, 
was a bit jarring when we first had to do it, but it was a necessary evil. Um, I think it's cool that you understand that as well, Will. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that was a necessary evil. It's a bit of a shame, but um, just because I'm a music fan. But I like quite a lot of the new music. Travis Banks' um, tune that he comes out to is great. I mentioned Zack Sabre Jr.'s new music's great. Chris Brooks's music's cool. Um, so, you know, it's it sucked. it sucked initially, but I think everyone's got used to it. Cheers, Will. Carl Bodenham says, Hi Jim, long time listener, first time I've emailed. Hi Carl. Um, my question is, who in the WWE would you most like to book in a programme with someone from Progress? You've mentioned before that although you like Roman Reigns, I do. I, I don't get why people dislike Roman Reigns. Because um, uh, he's perfectly good at what he does. But, as, he, as Carl says here, he wouldn't suit what Progress aims for. He, he's, not, he's not an indie wrestler. So for our indie wrestling sensibilities, that wouldn't necessarily work. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on who you think would suit Progress's aims. Uh, keep up the great work with Progress and choose Nigel. Thanks, Carl. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think pretty much anyone in NXT, with a couple of exceptions, um, like I don't think, I think Lars Sullivan's great because he's a big, like almost like 1980s old school monster. But that wouldn't necessarily work with us, even in the Atlas division, because um, even though I haven't spoken to Lars, I know that he's a massive wrestling fan, has been all his life, um, but he's not really had that sort of indie exposure, so it wouldn't necessarily work in front of our live audience. Um, and that's what everything we do is tailored towards is what would our live audience enjoy. So, I mean, I keep going on about Andrade Cien Almas because I think he's great. Um, I think... Uh, Johnny Gargano would be someone I'd love to do something with um, but if we take it away from the NXT roster and move up to um, and move up to the, the main rosters I don't know I'd love to maybe have a really long feud with the Grizzled Young Veterans and the Revival because I think that Zach Gibson and James Drake have the ability to become the British version of the Revival and I think um, two teams both using better tag team wrestling each time than each other to try and best each other over a sort of best of seven or something like that. How cool would that be? Best of seven between the Revival and Grizzled Young Veterans. Oh, that'd be good. Book it, Carl. I mean, I'm aware you don't have the power. Neither do I. But I think that'd be pretty cool. But I think, yeah, what it comes down to with our aims is we're an independent wrestling company. So we always have to sort of keep sight of that. Um, I know we have a lot more storylines than, than a, a lot of independent wrestling companies do, but at the same time, we've always got to keep sight of what pops the crowd in our live events, and it tends to be hard-hitting indie wrestling. So, you know, it'd be people who could do that. So everyone in NXT, pretty much. Um, but I think the Revival versus Grizzled Young Veterans, if I had to take someone off the main roster, I'd do that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Cheers, Carl. Next up is Dave O'Neill. Now... Dave tweeted me and said he, uh, I was doing a little Q&A on Twitter the other day because I couldn't concentrate. And sometimes I do that just to be able to focus my brain. And he says, thanks for doing another Q&A. There's been something I've been curious about for a while because he said to me there was a longer question he needed to email me. He says, I've attached an image I've been using as part of my wallpaper rotation for a while. Sadly, I can't remember who took it. Um, I'd assume James Musselwhite, but it'd be rude if I got it wrong. I actually think it's Rob Brazier that took this one, um, Dave, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know myself. Um, would you, if it's okay, talk about that moment and what, if anything, you and Glenn said to one another. 
Uh, thanks, Jim. I was there that day in Ali Pali. Me and my mate Liam are coming back over for Super Strong Start and Wembley. Thanks, Dave. Uh, make sure you come and say hi. Um, so basically, it's the end of Ali Pali, and you can see, I'm going to describe the picture for you. You can see me and Glenn uh, hugging each other. I've still got the microphone in my hand. Um, and me and Glenn are hugging each other, and the ring ropes, <laughs> ring ropes have collapsed because they snapped and joined the main event. The stream is everywhere from Travis Banks' celebration, and the crowd is starting to leave. Um, and I'm just sat on the apron, hugging Glenn. Now, um, first of all, um, myself, John and Glenn, whilst we do sometimes bicker and squabble because we are we are business partners, we are friends. And um, we do spend quite a lot of time um, uh, sort of checking up on each other and making sure everyone's all right and all that sort of stuff because it's what we do, we're mates. And... I think what we were talking about when we were hugging is, first of all, it's a big show. And whenever we get through a big show, like they're taxing on all of us. So I think we were just sort of saying, you know, love you, mate. That went well, didn't it? Like something like that. But also I know that we were talking about the Wembley announcement because I'd not had a chance to get out of the ring and say to Glenn, oh, that went, the, 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 the announcement go well. Because when we did the Wembley announcement, Glenn was trying to get people in out of the bar because it was right after the interval. And I improvised how I was going to say it because I, I, I don't work from a script. So I, I'd worked out how to say it pretty much as I got in the ring. So I don't think we didn't, none of us know how it was going to go. Some people could have just gone, all right, you're doing a bigger show, who cares? But people reacted in a really cool way. So I think it was a lot of the emotion from doing a big show, the emotion of, of Travis Banks' journey, um, uh, getting to the point where he won the Progress title, um, uh, you know, having 2,000 people in Alexandria Palace, which is nuts. Um, and and the Wembley announcement and just sort of taking it all in and just saying, we did it, maybe let's have a day off now. Um, so I think that was it. But um, it is a great photo and a photo that I'll probably use as my wallpaper now um, because it's a, it's a nice moment between two mates. It's just a shame that obviously John was, because we didn't really have a sound booth at Ali Pali, John was in the back in our gorilla position, as it were. So we had to go backstage and find him and give him a hug. Um, uh, because he, he wasn't in front of cameras and doesn't like being in front of cameras. If he had been, he would have been in the hug as well. Thanks, Dave. Good question. Next up, Jim Taylor says, Hi, Jim. First off, I hope you, Mrs. Mormon, and the rest of the family are happy and well. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question, which is, have you been surprised by how divided the fans are between Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews since FSU exploded? was thoroughly expecting to boo the hell out of Eddie after Ali Pali, but his issues come across as credible and actually make him more sympathetic than Mark. Um, was dividing the fans always the plan? Um, again, thanks for taking the time and TNJ as a whole. Uh, it's been a welcome distraction in some tough times. I'm happy I can be a distraction to you, Jim. Now, um, for people who aren't necessarily familiar with uh, Progress's products at the minute, um, at Alexandra Palace, the show I was talking about before, uh, Eddie Dennis turned on his longtime friend and tag team partner, Mark Andrews, um, ever since that point, Eddie has been a dick. Now, I would say Eddie's work as a heel is some of the finest that I have ever seen. Now, I'm biased because I'm one of the people paying him to do his job, but his work has been astoundingly good. His promo skills are second to none. Now, if you go back and watch, for example, Mick Foley's promos in ECW... Uh, the ones that he's really sort of uh, fated for, like the Kane Dewey promo and the one of my favourite promos, which is where he's he sounds like he's talking to a woman, but he's actually talking to a chair. Um, he's a heel then. Now, people remember them and go, what a great promo, but he's a heel. 
And he's a heel because he's refusing to wrestle hardcore and he doesn't like the ECW crowd. He doesn't like the people that um, ECW uh, represented by, like Tommy Dreamer, etc. So he's a heel, but you watch that now and go, well, he's a babyface. The key to being a good heel is the justification in doing it, uh, in doing whatever you're doing. And I think with, no matter how twisted that is, so when Jimmy Havoc was our champion, he absolutely 100% believed in everything that he was doing. He was just a, a psychopath who wanted to kill everybody, but he absolutely believed in his path and his path being the right way. I think with Eddie and with Mark, um, first of all, it's very difficult to create as black and white a heel as Jimmy was back in the day. Um, so most independent wrestling, you will have you will have some shades of grey. That's absolutely fine. We're not a televised product. So I'm fine if you want to choose, if you want to cheer for Eddie, even though Eddie is being a dick to his former best friend. I'm fine with that. I'm not annoyed at it having a, a split reaction. I don't get like that. You react how you choose to react. You can cheer or boo for whoever you want, even though I know the TNJ merch says differently. Um, but if you think Eddie's justified in doing what he's doing, then fine. Um, I think it's created an interesting dynamic, and it's been quite deliberate to create an interesting dynamic rather than just standard yay boo stuff that's not what we're trying to do with this so i know you've noticed it jim a few other people have noticed it It, it's kind of that's where we're at now and the story between the two will have some more twists and turns and we'll see where we end up but um i'm very happy with it as it stands at the minute i'm very happy with eddie's performances in it and i'm also very happy with mark's role in it um, I think it's it, it's it's working out very very well, and it's got a lot of people talking because clearly we're talking about it here. So you know, um, the whole reason to have if you're going to turn someone from face to heel, you shouldn't just turn them because you want to turn them because you need more heels. You should turn them because that character thinks he's got a point, and Eddie thinks he's got a point. Therefore, he's a better heel for it. So um, so yep, you've noticed it, but. I'm, we're happy with how it's going at the minute. Um, I don't, if people, I heard a couple of people in, um, it was in Sheffield? No, Birmingham. In Birmingham, there was a couple of people, um, the one guy in particular right near me called Mark a coward for not standing up to Eddie. Now, from Mark's point of view, he doesn't want to stand up to Eddie. But from that fan's point of view, he thinks he's a coward. And I think it's interesting that there's all these different levels to this feud between two guys because it shows that everyone is emotionally invested in it because they're not just going, yeah, I don't like that guy because he's being the villain. So I'm fine with it getting the reaction that it's getting at the minute. Um, and I'm very, very excited to see where it ends up. Cheers for your question, Jim. Dave Higgins or Higo. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to call you that again, Dave, sorry. It says, hi, Jim. Whilst fully understanding there's no link between progress and WWE, beside the fact you get on and you help each other out with the occasional favour, that would be correct, sir. Um, God, if I had to explain that every week. I like the fact you've explained it in your own thing. Um, for people who have missed out on this, uh, we get on all right with WWE. Um, they, they've helped us out with some stuff. Um, we put some Cruiserweight Classic matches on for them. Um, yeah, that's that. <laughs> It just says, if you could have any job in WWE, what would you like to do with them for a living? Well, let me tell you a story, Dave. Um, I would love if I could work in wrestling full-time. As it stands at the minute, I can't. Um, Progress is a successful business, but independent professional wrestling does not make a ton of profit. Um, It costs a lot of money 
to put shows like Wembley and Alexandra Palace and Victoria Warehouse and take half your roster out to America and stuff like that. Like it's it's not a cheap thing to get involved in, and therefore um, I, I, I make I make okay money, but I don't make a ton of money. Not enough money to live off when I've got a mortgage and two children um, uh, and bills and stuff like that. So I'm not at a point where I can work full time from wrestling because of progress. Um, I would love it if I could work full time in wrestling. When I was a teenager, my ambition um, was to, way before I wanted to be a comedian, at the age of 16, um, maybe not 16, um, probably the age of 18, 19, 20, would have been 20 would have been the the, the, the main age because I was at university and it was after I quit drinking. So it definitely would have been 20. At the age of 20, what I wanted to do was I wanted to work as a writer for WWE. When I found out that those that was a thing that actually existed, because I had no idea about that until I started reading up on it, I wanted to be a writer for WWE. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work backstage and work in work for WWE, or work in wrestling in general, but ideally for WWE. Um, at a push ECW, but I, I didn't think uh, I, th- I thought I'd probably get killed because I was quite a sensitive twenty-year-old. So um, that's kind of what I wanted to do. That was. That was what I wanted to do. And, and now, if if I ever got a job with WWE, it would be something behind the scenes that helps put the shows together. I have no interest in ever... I don't like being in front of the camera now. And I have to be because I've done it for the history of the company and would love it if I could stop, but I can't. Um, but it'd be anything that just kept me around wrestling and meant I could still be creative and, and, uh, and be part of the industry that I love. Um, so you know, this is not me giving my CV out to them or anything like that. But I, I just love anything that could enable me to to do wrestling for a living would be brilliant, and still do progress because progress, whilst uh, not my living, um, because comedy is progress is the baby of the three of us, and I love. I love doing progress so much. It's much more born out of love than making profit. And so, you know, ideal situation would be uh, I'd do something like writing for WWE and I would be um, still able to do what I do for progress. Um, I mean, it's a pipe dream, Dave. It's not going to happen. But, (laughs) you know, that's what I kind of like to do. Anyway, thank you for asking your question in a cool way, Dave, rather than just going, conspiracy, Um, because that gets tiring. David Weatherford, another David. That says, greetings from Fort Worth, Texas. Hiya. It says, what's your favourite Oasis album and why? Thank you, sir. Um, oh, it's actually Ashley Weatherford. Apologies, David, with what came up on the on your, um, your header. Ashley's in your signature. Sorry, Ashley. Now, Ashley, um, hate to break this to you. Don't like Oasis. Uh, don't like them at all. During the, uh, the Britpop Wars, if I had to steer towards one band in particular, I would have steered towards Blur. Um, not Country House is the worst song ever made by uh, any form of guitar paced band um, and makes me feel sick every time I hear it but, but most of Blur's stuff was punkish enough for me to enjoy in my teens when I was a, a bit of a music snob dickhead um, I've never cared for Oasis uh, I have seen them live I saw them live at a place called the Princess Charlotte in Leicester when they were very 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 new um, I also saw Coldplay there. I, I basically I used to go there and, and write reviews and, and, and stuff for my, my university newspaper. So, um, 
Yeah, so I saw them very, 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 very early on. And um, they they were fine. They were good live. Um, But never been that bothered about them. The the one song of theirs I really, really like, and I can't remember the name of it, um, is the one where Reese Fans is in the video um, uh, and there's a funeral procession. That's the one song of theirs I'm, I'm bothered about. One thing I would say is, whenever I, I see Noel Gallagher in particular in an interview, he always comes across as a dude. Oh, I'm like, I oh, get on all right with him. He, like, he likes football and he, you know, he's, he's the right sort of opinionated. No, nope, I don't care for Oasis. Apologies. Um, and I named the Manchester show as well. But that's because we like to do links to, to Manchester music. So Sorry, Ashley, to be uh, the bearer of bad news and not liking Oasis. But um, if you don't like Oasis... Um, just uh, tweet me at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw, secondary hashtag I also don't like Oasis. Thank you very much. Clint McCormick says, Hiya, do you think WWE will go ahead with plans for a weekly UK show and do you think this would affect progress in a good or a bad way initially? Um, first of all, I have no idea if they'll be doing a, a, UK, a weekly UK show. I hope they do. Because the excitement over the weekend in Blackpool and the admittedly slightly lesser excitement over the, the shows that they did in Norwich, um, and I that those shows, um, was really, really awesome. Um, the excitement when Pete came out on Raw um, with the WWE UK title was pretty amazing. So... Clearly, there's a crowd, and, and don't forget, there's a crowd of people who watch WWE who have no idea that independent companies like Progress or ICW or Fight Club Pro or Attack or whoever, or RevPro or whoever, um, they have no idea that we exist. No idea at all. Like, if you're really into wrestling, you know about independent wrestling. If you love WWE, and you know, if you're a dad and your kids love WWE, you might have no concept of the fact that independent wrestling exists. So, my theory on this is this. The WWE UK show comes out, it will put a spotlight on where all the talent involved in that show came from. So, you know, we've certainly seen an uplift in interest in our company since the UK Championship uh, tournament in Blackpool. So, because I know we were in job on screen and we were mentioned a lot on commentary and stuff like that, but it meant more people paid attention to us because they wanted to know where all these guys they previously had never heard of had come from. So I'd like to think that if it does happen, and I want it to happen, fingers crossed it does happen, that it would affect most independent wrestling in a good way. There's going to be some independent wrestling companies who don't run themselves particularly well that are probably going to get left by the wayside. Most independent wrestling companies have been going for a bit, run tight ships, know what they're doing, and will be prepared for that eventuality. Um, So, yeah. It's all up in the air, Clint, so we don't really know. Um, I've had my fingers crossed for something to happen with it for for quite some time, just because I'm a fan, and I'd like to see it happen. So, you know, fingers crossed. Um, What do you think, Clint? Drop me a tweet. Let me know what you think. I'll be keen to know what you think. Next up, Joe Atherton. Others says, Hello, Jim. Hope you, your wife and son are well. Forgot my daughter. Don't worry about it. Um, It's fine, mate. It's fine. She doesn't get mentioned as much because she lives with her mum, so it's fine. Um... He says, I'm very conflicted. This is a long one, mate. I mean, you've gone essay. You've gone full John Briley analysing an angle. Mm. He says, I'm very conflicted on who to cheer for on Sunday's Progress Tag Team title match in Manchester. On one hand, you have the Grizzled Young Veterans. And despite Zach's amazing shoot, in inverted commas, promo on Five Star Wrestling, 
<laughs> the best bit of that show. Um, uh, him and Drake are very easy to boot, especially in Manchester with Gibson being a scouser. On the other hand, their opponents, Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins, have been pretty loathsome bellends since forming their alliance after Alexandra Palace. You are correct. The question is, heel versus heel, it's rare, but happens. Do you think these matches can work unless one team is going to turn, or is emotional investment important in a contest from the fans? Same thing in face-versus-face matches. Still looking forward to the match, obviously not expecting to tell me if one team is turning, and I wouldn't want you to. Just curious on thoughts on heel versus heel and face-versus-face matches and fans' emotional investment. Um, there's a lot more face-versus-face matches in independent wrestling because sometimes you put a match together because you want to do the match. That's it. Um, and it's fine. So you, um, we've had quite a few main events in particular that have been face-versus-face. Quite a few times where people are chanting both these guys and stuff like that. It's a trope of independent wrestling that sometimes you just want to put a match on where there's two dudes or two girls that you just want to see. That's it. So face versus face is easy to do. We've had a few heel versus heel matches. Not loads, but we've had a few of them. I'm certain we've had one in, Man- in Manchester before. Um, I just, I'm struggling to remember exactly what it is. Um, John Briley in particular loves a heel versus heel match um, and is not shy of suggesting them in our booking meetings. Um, I, again, I, my reason is this. If fans can be on board with watching a face versus face match, then they can be on board with watching a heel versus heel match. Yet, people aren't necessarily going to cheer the teams when they come out for their entrances or cheer the result of a match. However, they are still going to pop for moves during that match and spots and and events during that match because they do during a babyface, babyface match. Um, The big issue I'd say with babyface, babyface matches is one person ends up being a heel by default because they're just not the one that the crowd want. If 51% of the crowd want one person to win then the other person de facto becomes a heel and it, it makes it a bit tricky I actually enjoy the storytelling that you can come up with in a heel versus heel match because everyone involved in it Joe <clears throat> knows that it's unusual everyone knows that it's not the norm so everyone's going to be trying harder than normal to try and get the ideas that we've given them and that they've come up with across so um I hope that kind of answers it in a roundabout way. I I genuinely, definitely think heel versus heel matches can work because I enjoy them. Um, and I, I think I've said this on the podcast a few times, I've always liked heels way more than I like baby faces. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the lads bring to that match um, at the weekend because it'll be, it'll be great because everyone in it's brilliant. So let's see what happens. Um, but I, yeah, I think you can. I think you absolutely 100% can um, be, uh, you can absolutely 100% be invested in a heel versus heel match. It just stands on the hard work of people in it. Um, and in this case, you've got four of the hardest working people around. So uh, five, including Vicky Haskins, of course. Next up, Stephen Lausch. I never know if it's Lausch or Lush, Stephen. Lausch or Lush. Let me know. Um, at Jim Smallman. Hashtag Tuesday Night Joel. Um, he says, hi Jim, you recently said you asked talent to stop doing kickouts at one counts to finishes. Yeah, it should be reserved for a special occasion. It was starting to happen a little bit too much. If you could take one other thing like that out of wrestling, what would it be? My choice would be the everyone is pals after a match finishes handshakes. People should be annoyed they lose. And it being done after most matches loses its meaning after a big grudge feud where it works as a proper respect earned. That's, you know, that's a good point, Stephen. That's a great point. 
Um, it's again, it's an indie wrestling trope that it's a both these guys thing, isn't it? Uh, it's a both these guys slash you deserve it thing where, you know, people do show respect to each other afterwards and get a round of applause uh, and leave to a standing ovation. It is, it, it's one of those things I think it's hard to remove um, because we're so ingrained in it happening ever since, it's Ring of Honor's fault, isn't it? Because Ring of Honor had the code of honour. So I think it's ever since the mid-noughties, it's just been one of those things. But you're right, because I remember as a kid seeing Hulk Hogan hand the WWF title to Ultimate Warrior and raise his hand, and that feeling like a really big deal, or, or Roddy Piper and Bret Hart doing a similar thing with the IC title, that felt like a really, really big deal at the time. Um, whereas now, it wouldn't feel like quite as much a big deal because there's much more of it. Certainly in indie wrestling, there's more of it. In companies like WWE, it's not quite as commonplace, um, presumably for that reason. Um, I think the thing I'd take out is is ref bumps. I just think, and arguing referees and not treating referees like a, a proper official, because they are, like, they're in charge. Um, if you watch a WWE show, Ref, uh, wrestlers very rarely get in a referee's face. Um, very rarely shove a referee, swear at a referee. Um, I mean, I hate it when wrestlers insist that it was a three count when it was a two. Well, if it was a three count, you would have heard the bell ring, wouldn't you? So maybe stop doing that. It's just, it's a, to me, that's lazy. But um, I think just just getting on at the referee is a thing I'd take out and 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 try and have it that referees have got more authority because that should be, that is their job. Again, in WWE, referees have authority. You know, if they take a bump, it's 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 used sparingly, um, whereas on an independent wrestling, you know, there's a lot of referee-related shenanigans. So that's something I'd, I'd, I'd want to see less of if I could. <clears throat> Good question, though, Stephen. <clears throat> Appreciate it. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Next, Aaron. Aaron Cottom says, Hi, Jim. Enjoy myself some comedy of the Graps persuasion. I've seen and enjoyed yourself, uh, Chris Brooker, Carl Hutchinson before, um, all been guests on this podcast. Uh, is there anyone else I should be checking out? Um, you should be checking out uh, Brendan Burns, um, who uh, Australian comedian, uh, won loads and loads of awards up in Edinburgh and stuff like that. Um, excellent comedian, also has a podcast. Um, huge wrestling fan, good friend of mine. You should check him out. John Hastings, Canadian comedian, um, who the first time I ever met, people had told me he was a wrestling fan. Within two minutes, we were talking about Tully Blanchard. That's the sort of person I want to spend time with. And another former guest on this show, uh, John Robertson, Australian comedian who runs a thing called The Dark Room, um, uh, which uh, is a touring sort of gaming-based show. Uh, he's a massive wrestling fan and a former trained professional wrestler. So um, they're all people that I would uh, recommend checking out. Oh, and Billy Kirkwood, who is uh, ICW's commentator, very good friend of me and Chris Brooker, um, and is a stand-up comedian of, uh, of some excellent repute. So they're all people I would recommend checking out. Cheers, Aaron. Harry Evans says, Hi Jim, has there ever been a significant change to the outcome of a match during the match? Uh, I thought that Grizzled Young Veterans tag title win came out of nowhere and was perhaps because of Lycos's injury during the match, or they always intended to win. Sorry if that doesn't quite make sense. I'm not going to tell you if we've changed the outcome of matches um, out of respect of the performers involved. Ask me again in a couple of years and I will probably own up a little bit more. But at the minute, I don't really want to do that because it's a little bit too kayfabe breaking for me. I like to share a lot of things with you guys, but I don't particularly want to share that. Um, have we gone to the finish of a match quicker um, because of an injury? Absolutely. Have we changed the finish, not necessarily the result, to a match because of an injury? Absolutely. Um, a couple of examples would be the, the, the tag title match that you mentioned, the finish of that match. Um, uh, the finish of that match, I'm not going to tell you what the result originally was uh, because it could have been one way, it could have been the other. But the, um, the finish of that match was obviously different because only one member of, um, of CCK was around because Lycos was backstage being seen to by a paramedic. So, obviously, that finish changed. Again, I'm not going to tell you whether the result changed. Um, the, uh, the, and again, the finish of the match, again, I'm not going to tell you the result, the finish of the match between um, uh, Roy Johnson and Pastor William Eva, that match went significantly shorter than it should have gone uh, at Chapter 62 because of Pastor William Eva's injury, because he tore his quad uh, during the match, landed on his head and was, was not in a good way. Um, in an ideal situation, I would have just stopped that match dead because it was obvious that Eva was hurt. Glenn went down to ringside, uh, asked if they could carry on, um, told him he didn't want them to carry on, asked if they felt they could carry on, um, and uh, Pasta was like, no, no, I'll be fine, because that's what wrestlers do. Um, but we did hasten the finish of that match uh, rather than have it go any longer. Um, but again, uh, was Roy always winning? Was Pasta winning? I'm not going to tell you. Um, but, um, but yeah, and there's certainly nothing from earlier in... Um, there's nothing I can think of from earlier uh, in in the history of the company. I mean, in New York, of course, we had T.K. Cooper um, break his ankle during a tag match, and then we had to make an impromptu handicap match 
that we had no was not planned at all. And you know that was put together by Travis Banks, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, and Pete Dunn, who was at ringside, like in the space of just like that, they just put it together. So again, that's another example of us having to think about things on the fly. Bad bad shit happens, and sometimes you have to change stuff around. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you if we change results or if we've had to change results. Not just yet. Mark this in your dark. Put it in your calendar on your phone, Harry, and tell ask me in two years. And I'll, I'll tell you about those two matches in general. I'll give you more detail in it. But at the minute, I'm not going to. Um, good question, though, Harry. Thanks for asking it in a cool way. Uh, Phil. Phil Name. Good last name. Name. Um, said, what would have happened if it was Damien Dunn, not Tyler Bate, that joined British Strong Style? Um, well, Damien Dunn's great. Um, I mean, I presume he wouldn't have done his, anti, uh, his anti-fun police gimmick, which is wonderful. But Damien's a fantastic wrestler. Um could well have, could well have happened, um, but no, it was it was Tyler who joined. But I think if it had been, because both Tyler and Damien are so talented, either one of them would have made it work. Um, would it have led to them because Tyler has had the WWE UK title? Would it have necessarily have led to? Um, uh, would it have led to BSS being as successful as they have been all around the world? without you know that sort of instant stardom that um, Pete Trent and Tyler all got from the WWE UK Championship. Who knows? Um, but it's certainly an interesting theory and not one I even thought about um, until right now. But, you know, Damien Dunn is, is superbly talented and a great guy, great guy to have around. So um, I, I can't stress how good he is enough. Uh, good question, Phil. Uh, Carl Burkett says, Hi, Jim. Hope you and the family are well. My question got missed out due to time constraints in the last Q&A, but if you have time now, I'd love to hear for each Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, what four wrestlers you would put in a stable and why? If time is limited, it is a little bit, mate. I'm happy for you to do it for just one brand of your choosing or just move on to the next question. Much love, Carl. Um, Carl, I've said this for ages, and I'm just going to give you one stable. I want um, an all-Samoan, absolutely badass stable, um, actually with five people in it, um, which would be Roman Reigns, the Usos, Samoa Joe, and Nia Jax. I want that. Like, I've banged on about it before. I want that to happen. It would be brilliant. Right? And, and again, they don't ever have to t- turn Roman because some people like Roman, some people don't, don't like Roman. It doesn't matter. You know, people pay money to see him. That's the point. <clears throat> but it, proper, full-on, evil, heel Roman Reigns, heel Samoa Joe, heel Usos. They'd all get cheered because they'd all be so cool. And heel Nia Jax in a stable. That's what I want. They'd all get cheered within two weeks because they'd be the coolest stable in the history of time. Um, it says, P.S. I'm a new Progress season ticket holder. Oh, thanks, mate. And was delighted with the first show of the year. Can't wait for the 12 months ahead. Uh, our pleasure, my friend. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, and he also says, Live at the Dome shows are, are really fantastic. Um, there's one of those this week, actually. This Wednesday. Tomorrow. Um, uh, at the Dome in Tufnell Park in London. It Should you be in London? Go along to it. Um, I think there's probably some tickets left. Uh, Progresswrestling.com. There's probably a handful of tickets left. It's about a tenner to watch a load of wrestling on a school night. Um, Main event is a natural progression series qualifying match between uh, both members of Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis, which will be sick. So um, go and check that out. Thanks, Carl. Michael Howlin. Please tell me your nickname, uh, Michael, from Wexford in Ireland. Please tell me your nickname is The Wolf. Howling like the wolf, you legend, Michael. 
Hi, Jim. Hope yourself and your family are well. Um, I, I nearly read that in an Irish accent as well. It would have been terrible. Um, not sure if this is the right place to ask, but you can choose to answer uh, if not. I've been thinking of starting to do some stand-up. Do you have any advice for someone like myself just starting out from scratch? Anything you wish you could tell yourself when starting out? Thanks. Um, when starting out, I wish I could have told myself, don't be lazy. Every spare hour you get, do some writing and you'll be better at comedy. I'm fine at comedy. I'm all right at it, right? I've made a living out of it. I've had a lovely weekend doing the stand in Newcastle, which a few wrestling fans came along to and listened to this podcast came to. Thanks for that. Um, but I wish I'd have told myself not to be lazy. I was too lazy when I started. Um, and that's including like driving 27,000 miles to do my first 100 gigs and earning no money. But writing-wise, I was lazy. Advice for anyone who wants to start stand-up comedy. First of all, it's not hard to start it. Uh, it's hard to get good and get paid for it, but it's not hard to give it a go. There's nearly always an open mic night or a beat the gong show or something like that in most big cities. Go and try and do one of those. The way to do well when you first start is you spend ages writing and rehearsing five minutes of good material. And it must be your material. Do not steal material from other people. You will be found out. You might initially get laughs from an audience, but no promoter or other stand-up comedian is going to stand for that shit, so don't do it. So write your own material. Get a good five minutes together. Take it and do open mics with it. If you're doing well, build it up to ten minutes. If you do well with five minutes and you absolutely smash it out of the park, someone will book you for ten minutes anyway, and that's how you build it up. Um, eventually the goal is to, to get booked to do paid spots where you're doing 20 minutes a night or you're emceeing or whatever. Um, and that's the other thing. Don't just limit yourself to, to doing sets. Um, you know, try and, if, if, you, if you're finding it's working out, do what I did. Start your own comedy night where you have to emcee it, which means you always have to have a good turnover of new material. You get used to doing crowd work and things like that. Um, and the other thing is, when you first start out, try not to swear so much. When I started... And I swear a lot. I swear on this podcast. I swear when I'm ring announcing. Um, but it's how I talk. I, when I first started, I was swearing probably every third word. And that's too much. So think about that. And also think that the C word, um, whilst it's really entertaining to be able to say it on stage with a microphone in your hand, it's not a punchline. And if you say it all the time, people get sick of it very, very quickly. It's the only word that you can say on stage where you will see audience members visibly decide they don't like you because it is the most offensive word in the British language, English language rather. So um, there are a few tips for you, Michael. And I'm more than happy to help out if you ever wanted to run stuff by me because I love comedy, so I'm happy to help. Matthew Grice says, outside of the wrestling, what are you looking forward to in New Orleans? I'm going to have no time to do anything, mate. Not a thing. Um, pancakes. I like pancakes. So going to IHOP. That's probably it. Um, I am, um, sadly, no longer vegan. I, I've tried my best to be vegan and I've struggled massively with it. It's made me miserable in some cases. Eating a lot of soya has made me ill. And I've struggled. Uh, so what I'm trying to do now is I'm remaining vegetarian. Um, I've got a lot of travel coming up this year as well. So I'm going to remain vegetarian whilst trying to be as vegan as possible all the time, but not being constrained to being vegan, if that makes sense. So um, so I am looking forward to eating, you know, nice, uh, in particular, pancakes. I like pancakes. So I'm, in, I'm looking forward to trying to find somewhere that has pancakes that I find are ethically enough for me to eat in New Orleans, and I will enjoy those. That's my, um, that's my plan. Um, so, yeah, um, basically that, I'm going to be working a lot while I'm there. I've got a, we're going to have a lot to do. As well of our shows, I think I arrive on the evening of the third. 
Um, and then our first show is on the 6th, but I've got stuff to do between then and, and prep and stuff that you, you couldn't even think about. Picking people up from airports and, and things like that. And then, um, yeah, so I'm not going to have a load of time to do fun stuff. I think I might get to watch WrestleMania, which I will enjoy. Um, but outside of wrestling, just when I, when I go to America, it's food. I just like food. I like American food. Um, and I, I kind of like American people. So, you know, that and, and I'll probably find an hour to go trainer shopping. I do tend to do that in America. So I'll probably do that. Um, it says, I love the podcast and all, uh, and all you three do with progress. Chapter 61 was my first live show and it was brilliant. Uh, looking forward to New Orleans and another high five. It will be excellent to see you there, Matthew. Matt Deacon's up next. Hi, Jim. Hope you and the family are well. You lot are all really nice asking about me family. Good on you. Good on you guys. Um, he says, thanks for the advice the other week on being veggie. See, I can give you advice on being vegetarian. And there's loads of people who give me really lovely advice on being vegan. I feel bad about not being able to stick it out. But I, I, it was, I was making me just so cross all the time. And it's not like I'm, I'm not, I've not gone, but I'm still not, I still don't drink milk <laughs> and stuff like that. It's just, it's little trace things in stuff that was just, it was meaning there's so much stuff I couldn't eat and it was making me sad. I'm making home life hard because neither my wife and my son are vegetarians. So um, just me being vegetarian was fine. Me being vegan was making it really, really tough. Um, I hope to give it another go one day, but as it stands at the minute, I'll remain vegetarian definitely for the rest of my life. Um, but no, I gave, I gave Matt some advice about being veggie and it's, you know, it's nowhere near as hard as... Being vegetarian is not hard. Being vegan, if you're a vegan, I'd take my hat off to you because you you're a superhuman for being able to do that with your smile on your face because, you know, and, it, and it's such a difficult thing. Because I genuinely love animals and it makes me sad. But I think I'll get there one day. I think I, maybe I tried to rush into it or something. I don't know. But I'll get there. Um, it says, my question is, do you read into rumours of backstage heat on certain wrestlers? It was reported the other day that Tyler Bate has backstage heat, according to a wrestling website. Um, I never read into these comments and I very much doubt Bate has heat considering he was brought into Rumble weekend. I just wanted to know your views. Um, 90% of stuff on the internet is bollocks. That's the main problem. Um, if you were to believe uh, internet rumours, for example, um, I am directly owned, my, myself personally, I'm directly owned by WWE, which is preposterous, um, because I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm really not. Um, so there's always a lot of stuff floating around on the internet because people like wrestling, people want to gossip about wrestling, people want to click on a link that says something about wrestling, and often they'll make this shit up. Um, certainly from the point of view of, um, of someone like Tyler, who is one of the most inoffensive, lovely human beings I've ever met. I can't believe that's true for a second. Um, but also, I don't read into those rumours, because, especially with someone I know, so Tyler's worked for, for me, John and Glenn for a couple of years. He's never been a problem. Like, if anything, he's, he's, he's arguably the least problematic human in the world. Um, so I'd never read into stuff like that because it's just people trying to get you to click on an article or whatever. Um, there's some fantastic actual journalism done around wrestling sometimes. But equally, there's a lot of stuff that's just absolute, absolute horse wank. Um, so whenever it's said that there's backstage heat about someone I'll ignore it I'll make my own mind up when I meet someone whether or not they're a good person or not as a rule if they um, if, if if they've ended up like you say if they've ended up in in the case of Tyler being asked to go out to uh, to America for Royal Rumble weekend I mean that probably answers the question that he must be popular for that to happen 
Otherwise, they would have left him, left him home, wouldn't they? It seems silly. But no, I, no, I never read into stuff like that. I, I base, I base my opinion on people on my own experiences with them, um, because I'm in a privileged enough position to be able to do that. So there we go. Noel McCarthy next says, Hi Jim, in the beginning, progress run shows every two to three months. Now it's every two weeks. Tell me about it, mate. I'm so tired. Um, is this due to increased demand or simply that you guys are now more experienced in booking both venues and shows? No, mate, it's increased demand. There's absolutely no way we'd be doing shows as much as we do if we didn't think we had a chance of selling tickets. The, when we started out, we did a show in for a 300 capacity venue, 350 capacity venue rather, every three months. Um, and that felt like enough because initially we weren't selling. We were selling shows out, but not in like five minutes. Um, and it's grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. Like there's there's no way we'd be trying to do Wembley if we um, if we didn't have the increased demand. And it's the same with the number of shows. As doing as many shows as we are is because there's demand for us to do those shows. Otherwise, we wouldn't be trying to do it. Um, it says, your rapid growth is undeniable. Thanks, mate. Um, and selling out shows on a fortnightly basis is a hell of an achievement for any company. So big congratulations to you all. It is. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's nuts. Like, I, we, we don't take enough time to turn around and go, oh, we've done all right out of this. Because we, we don't think about it. It's, we get done with one show and it's like, what, we're going to do to the next show. How do we make the next show as good as possible? That's what we're thinking about all the time. All three of us. It's just, it, it's that. So we don't ever tend to take much time to, to look at where we've come from. But if you look at where we've come from to where we are now, it's it's crazy, but it's all down to the demand. If the fans didn't demand it, we wouldn't be doing it. Ian Green says, Hi, Ball as well. My question is, what is the best wrestling documentary you've ever seen? For me, it has to be Heroes of World Class, which is a great one. Um, I'm going to go with a really... Oh, I've got two. And they're both ones that... I just remember watching um, in the late 90s, probably early noughties, and... They meant a lot to me at the time because that was when I was at the peak of me trying to learn as much as possible about wrestling because there's so much I missed out on during my teens. Um, one's Bret Hart's Wrestling with Shadows. Now I know, do we, it, it was the screwdriver work? Probably not, but there's a chance and I know that that throws questions up about it, but still, it's a wonderful documentary. So Wrestling with Shadows. Um, but Beyond the Mat for me, Beyond the Mat I think was a, a watershed in my life that I, I watched it at the Phoenix Arts Centre in uh, in Leicester, uh, in a cinema full of wrestling fans, and it opened my eyes to so many things. The fact that there was other wrestling fans was, I think, the main thing. But yeah, that for me was the, the big one. I've not watched it in years. I might go back and, and rewatch it. Um, but I learned so much from that. Just a wonderful, wonderful documentary. Oh, and uh, Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends, where he spends time with wrestlers as well. That's that's a really good one. Um, apart from um, apart from when uh, he, he trains and, and throws up because they punished him. Callum McEwen says, I hope you and the family are well. With the recent and deserved rise in popularity of women's wrestling, I've often wondered why we don't see many female referees, especially here in the UK indie scene. I'm only aware of one currently, uh, and that's uh, shout out to Esther, aka Edith Summers here in Dundee, um, but wondered if you knew of more and if you had any thoughts as to why there doesn't seem to be many female referees. Um, so I think, Callum, for you to, you have to want to be a referee in the first place. Um, there's not tons of male referees, if we're honest. If you look at the number of wrestlers compared to the number of referees, there isn't loads. And because there's more male wrestlers than female wrestlers, it stands to reason there would be less female referees. Um, I know that NXT uh, use a female referee, and her name, I've met her, and she's really cool, and she's a great ref. And for some reason, I can't remember her name at the minute. And I know she was a wrestler, and uh, 
got, I think she was a, a, an independent wrestler of, of decent repute and got hired by NXT to be their first female um, referee. I was at Full Sail the first time she refereed a match, a televised match, and she got a standing ovation just for coming out, which was really, really just awesome and shows you how wrestling has changed. Um, it would it would stand to reason that there should be female referees in the same and I'm not entirely sure and maybe someone can jump in and tweet me about this I'm not entirely sure if there's female MMA referees or female boxing referees um, because obviously women's MMA is massive so again I don't know if, if there's a case that there's female referees for that um, I think that that's the reason it's just there's, there's not as many referees as there is wrestlers there's more male wrestlers than there is female wrestlers in this country, so it would stand to reason that there wouldn't be as many female referees. Um, but, you know, if... It, it's weird with us because we're setting our ways with the referees that we use because well, obviously we only use three referees in total. Um, four, if you if you, uh, <clears throat> if you you count uh, the Dome shows where Tom Scarborough does some. Um, but, but, yeah, if, if there were more female referees then we also we'd be amenable to using them. It's just the, they're not very visible. Like I, I didn't know of Edith Summer until you um, pointed her out to me. So, um, but it stands to reason. If you think about it, take a step back and think about it logically. There should be more women referees, um, and and maybe over the course of the next few years, with British wrestling being on the rise, maybe that's something we'll start to see more of. But um, great question, that Callum. Good work. Joseph McFall, Joe McFall from Colwyn Bay, just up the road from me. Um, it says, assemble a team of five wrestlers to go on the Crystal Maze with you. Um, okay. Now, I reckon you need the right mix of brains and skill here. So, skill-wise, I'd choose Will Ospreay, because he'd be able to do any form of physical task within a minute if you showed him. Um, brain-wise, I'd choose Trent Seven, because he'd stay cerebral. Um, uh, I would... Choose Tony Storm, because if in doubt, she could strong zero everything and get crystals that way. Um, I would choose Jimmy Havoc, because he'd probably have an axe if he needed to escape any of the rooms that he got locked into. And I would choose, finally, Ginny, because I think she's got the cunning to make it work. Um... Good question. Did anyone ever win on the Crystal Maze? Genuine question. Did any team ever actually collect enough Kit Kat wrappers at the end to win? I don't think they did. Jack Tipple, up next. Good name, Jack. Says, hi, Jim. Thanks for the hard work that goes into the podcast. It's been a great help to me during an ongoing battle with mental health issues. All the best to you, Jack. Um, DMs are always open if you need any help with anything like that. Not just to you, Jack. Anybody. I'm more than happy. I can't always reply straight away because sometimes I'm busy. But I just want to try and help make the world a better place. So, you know, if you ever need any advice on anything, I've struggled with mental health my entire life. I'm always happy to help out. It says, wrestling in general has been a great distraction. Same for me, buddy. It says, my question is, if you had to choose one current WWE or NXT wrestler to completely repackage, who would that be and why? Ooh, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, completely repackage somebody. It's hard because I think the times of, of you know, look at Smash out of Demolition, who became, you know, Repo Man and the Blacktop Bully um, and Payne Stewart, a golfer. That was back when you had proper, proper gimmicks. So to completely repackage, that is, 
That is hard. I wouldn't mind, and whilst I love the extraordinary gentleman gimmick that Jack Gallagher has, I wouldn't mind one day just giving him a full-on MMA gimmick. Full-on, half MMA, half Billy Robinson, murdering people like Dudley in Street Fighter gimmick. That's, that's what I'd probably do. Yeah, I think that one. Um, although I love his current gimmick. It's just he's the first one that I I have another gimmick in mind for straight away. Good question, Jack. Peter Barnes. Hi, Jim. I love progress and all that you do with this podcast. It's an audio delight to listen to while I'm working. Um, I've never been called an audio delight. I might have some angel delight later. Um, apologies if this has been asked many times, but how can you get involved in wrestling in a role that doesn't involve wrestling or taking bumps? Um, I'll tell you, mate. Um, you have to be very lucky. I mean, in our case... The three of us got involved in wrestling in a way that didn't... Well, I mean, I took some bumps, but in a right way that didn't take any bumps by um, spending a load of our own money. That was the only way we could do it. Uh, if you want to get involved with... And, and I always say this doesn't apply to progress because we've got every job sewn up already. But if you want to get involved in wrestling, I mean, you say you're from Nottingham, mate. There's going to be independent wrestling companies near you who probably need a bit of help with something every now and again and that's one of the things that if you volunteer to help and your the, the sum of your payment initially might just be getting to watch a show for free but you'll be around wrestling then that maybe is the route into it it's just volunteering to help out whether it's volunteering to help take tickets on the door or put chairs out or whatever you know it's the more you're around wrestling the more you realize that it might be a niche that you can make your way into so that's the way in unfortunately there's no um I get a lot of people message me going, oh, can I be a manager? Not really, managers aren't, especially people wanting to be managers who aren't trained because everyone who's ever been a half-decent manager has been a trained wrestler. The best manager of all time, Bobby Heenan, was definitely a wrestler in the 70s um, and, you know, took even in the 80s, was taking more bumps than a lot of wrestlers. So to be a manager, you've got to be trained. To, um, to be a referee, you've got to be trained. To be, and you still have to take bumps. Um, to um, to work as uh, with the camera or as a director or something like that, you need to be trained to do that aspect of something. Um, to work in creative, as a rule, most independent wrestling companies, they're put together by a couple of people. Um, in our case, three of us. So creatively, it's us three. So it's hard to break into that if a company already exists. So, you know, maybe the option is starting your own company, but there's a lot of companies around, so probably won't recommend that in the minute. So I think at the minute it's just volunteering to do stuff, man. Like you volunteer to do some stuff, people will be appreciative. You'll be around wrestling. You might realise what your niche could be within that. Um, I'm aware it's it's very airy fairy advice, but it's it's probably the best I can give at this stage. Joe also from Nottingham says, "Just wondering what your experience of doing comedy in Nottingham has been like before. Would you ever bring progress to Nottingham in the future? I've done stand up in Nottingham loads because I'm from Leicester originally, so I'm from down the road. So when I started out." I used to do a lot of my open spots there. My first ever gig was in Nottingham. My first ever gig was in Nottingham. So um, so I gig there a lot. Um, despite gigging there a lot and only growing up like 30 miles south of it, I still have no idea where anything is in Nottingham, which confuses me. Apart from Rock City, because I've, I've seen a lot of bands there. Now, um, which you mentioned is a great place to do progress, Rock City, Rescue Rooms, etc. The reason we don't run in Nottingham is... We already run in Sheffield, which is however many miles north. We already run in Birmingham, which is however many miles west. Um, we're already spread very thin in terms of how many shows we do. 
we can't really add any more shows in and um, Nottingham is not as big a city as Sheffield or, or as big a city as Birmingham. So it's it's you're a city within the catchment area of other cities. That's why we don't run shows there and why we'd probably be unlikely to run shows there in the future. It's nothing to do with my own personal hatred of Nottingham Forest, um, although that's probably the reason my dad thinks, um, because he's old school. I don't actually, I'm not actually that bothered about Nottingham Forest. If you are a Forest fan, no, Joe, I'm not actually that bothered about them. Um, I'm... Um, uh, much more concerned about um, uh, about Coventry City because where I grew up. Um, so yeah, he also says um, uh, uh, Chris Brooker emceed one of Mr. Regal's one man shows in Nottingham once. One of my fondest memories was Mr. Regal dressing me down after I sang "He's a Man" to him, thinking that others would join in. It was just me in the end singing alone. Yeah, he hates that, mate. I wouldn't do that. It's a dangerous man to mess with. Um, Connor, Connor Willis says, my question is this, is there any chance of Progress doing a steel cage match? Or is it simply that you don't believe there has been a feud that warrants a cage? Uh, cheers and all the best for the year ahead. There's definitely been feuds that have warranted a cage, mate. Um, what I'd say is, go into any of the venues that we currently run in, the, the, the regular venues, the, the 700-ish capacity ones, look up at the ceiling and look where the light rigging is. We can't fit a cage in. That's the problem. That's the problem. Uh, also, you probably know from a health and safety point of view, that um, everyone at ringside, there's no guardrails and you're all very close to the ring. That's the main issue. Could we potentially do a steel cage match in one of our bigger shows? Maybe. I'll just leave that there. Um, I, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but it, also it's dependent on getting a cage that fits the ring. We don't own the ring. Farino owns the ring. I don't know if he has a steel cage that goes with his ring. Um, it's all very, very complicated stuff. So, um, I mean, I saw um, on, on a cage, no, OTT had a show at the weekend where they had the tallest looking cage I've ever seen. It was, it was amazing. It was like the one David Arquette won the, the WCW title in. It was really tall. Um, so, yeah, so um, cage matches, we've wanted to do them. We've been unable to do them. Will we do one in the future? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, never say never. Cheers, Connor. Adam Lewis. Uh, hi Jim, first off I'd like to say thank you for both progress and the podcast helping me through some real tough times recently. My pleasure to be of any service whatsoever to you Adam. My question is, if you had to pick any Premier League manager to become a wrestling manager, who would you have them manage? Oh. Um, now I don't want anyone to manage Leicester at the minute because Claude Puel is doing an okay job. So, um so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I know that's not the question, but I don't want to lose Puel to, to wrestling because I think he'd love it. Um, I would choose, oh, I really want to use, see, I'd, I'd want to use Jose Mourinho just so he could accidentally get bumped in every single match. Um, but I think because he's going to need a job soon, I'd choose Antonio Conte. Um, just because there's something... There's something vaguely menacing about Antonio Conte. So I think I'd have Antonio Conte manage... Ooh, who could they manage? He wouldn't need to be a talker. He'd just need to be sort of almost like almost like a vaguely sinister backing man. Fuck it. So I've managed the Grizzled Young Veterans. Mainly because it, it, he's never been anything to do with Liverpool and it really wind Gibson up. But let's have him manage them. Just stood in the background. I like to think smoking a cigarette. I don't know if Conte smokes, but he looks like he should. Um, he, he, doesn't he? he does look like he should smoke. 
So that's what I'm going to choose. Um, I mean, if he was still managing, I'd have Slaven Bilic just as a wrestler. Because um, speaking, it, it was the smoking that made me think about that. Because Slaven Bilic definitely smokes fifty cigarettes a day. Matt Bell uh, says, "Hi Jim, hope you, John, and Glenn are all well at Progress Towers. I know you don't live together, but don't ruin my nice image. We don't. We don't all wear matching pajamas and sleep in the same bed. Um, we don't. My question is simple. You've mentioned recently that Volta versus Thatcher was your favourite match in Progress. It had everything you like in it." You've also said that the three of you like different things in wrestling. We do. We're very different people. It's why progress works. Can you give an example? Could be a moment or a match, which was a Glenn match or a John match. Oh, that's hard because I can't speak for them. Um, I know that... Basically, think about it like this. Um, if, you had, if I had to give you one word that we look for in matches, this is what I give you. For me, it's violence. For Glenn... It's theatre. For John, it's emotion. Does that make sense? So anything that has tons and tons of violence in, and I don't mean hardcore stuff, I mean actual physical violence, I'm not too fussed about death matches and stuff like that, that's me. Anything that has a ton of emotion in it, and there's a rule he's crying up in the sound booth afterwards would be John. Um, and anything that, that really has a strong sense of theatre to it would be Glenn. That's really generalising it. Because you'd have to ask them, tweet them. Um, John's Brilo tweet uh, Glenn is uh, Glenn underscore Joseph I think um, yeah, tweet them ask them um, and, and they'll tell you um, I know that whilst that match at chapter 62 is my favourite progress match of all time I don't think it's either of theirs um, but it's definitely mine um, it says all the best got ticks for the next six progress things this year and looking forward to booking some more in as the year goes on thank you very much for your support Matt we appreciate it uh, another Matt, Matt Crooks, says, if you could book a match between a member of the Progress roster and a fully retired UK veteran, who would you pick and why? I was thinking maybe Paul Birchill versus Volta or Hayde Vance versus Mark Caskins. Easy. Absolutely easy question. Pete Dunne versus William Regal. There you go. Like, everyone wants to see it, but Pete Dunne versus William Regal is who I'd choose. Um, that straight away. Um, I mean, I don't know if Mr. Regal might have another match uh, in him anyway, um, but as it stands at the minute, he's non-wrestling, so... Nah, Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn versus William Regal. Absolutely, that's what I'd have every single day of the week. Thanks, Matt. Phil Bolton says, hi, Jim, hope you're in the family well. My question is, what is the best, funniest name wrestling show, Progress, or other companies that you have heard of? My personal favourites are between Chapter 38, when men throw men at men, named by my wife, and ICW's The Ministry of Silly Headlocks from 2015. Uh, thanks for the podcast and a great set in Newcastle on Thursday. Thanks, Phil. Um, thanks for coming along and high-fiving me. Um, it was nice to see you. Um, I would say my favourite show title is PWG's Card Subject to Change. The fact they called a show Card Subject to Change um, is the greatest. So that's it, it just it pops me every time. It, when people are trying really hard to be funny, that sometimes simplicity is the best and that's, it's, it's the best. Neil Pike says, Hi Jim, extremely excited for Super Strong Style 16 and Wrestle Queendom, which is of course uh, the night of our day, of day one of Super Strong Style. And I think people are running a coach between the two because they start so you can get to do both. Um, he says, How many Walter Chops out of 10 would you give the lineup? Um, not entirely sure of every, the Wrestle Queendom lineup because obviously they've not announced everything yet. The bits I've seen look great. Um, but I'll comment on our own company. I know who's in Super Strong Style 16. 11 Chops. Um, it's going to be good. Seriously, lads. It's going to be good. 
you know, I love super strong style. So, you know, it, we put everything we can into this. It's going to be great. Not just the tournament as well. The whole thing's going to be great. Mark Preston. Hi, Jim. Hope you're well. With Spud, I mean uh, Drake, being Drake Maverick, now being general manager of 205 Live, got me thinking of who I would pick if you had to have a general manager for progress. I would choose Trent Seven because every time he has a mic in his hand, it is gold. Who would you pick? First caveat, I don't like... I mean, like, Spud's a mate. Um, and the way WWE do things is different. Entertainment product aimed at a television audience. In independent wrestling, I do not care for, in inverted commas, general managers. I think it's a TV trope and shouldn't be done at general, uh, in, in independent wrestling. It's just me. Um, if you think I'm wrong, that's fine. But you won't ever see progress having a general manager because, I mean, you know who the general managers are. You can see all three of us. So um, I'm, I, it's something that just, I, I don't like, don't care for. Um, but if I choose someone, um, I'd choose Paul Robinson. Because who's going to fucking argue with him? Nobody. That's why we haven't worked backstage. Paul Robinson. That's absolutely who I choose. Um, better with the mic in his hand than you'd think as well. Um, but I just love the idea of having a really sinister general manager instead of a, instead of a, a vaguely comedic one. Um, and again, general managers absolutely work in WWE. Kurt Angle being a general manager works. Daniel Bryan works. Spud works. All works. Uh, Regal, of course, on NXT. All works. Um, but it's just not for me in independent wrestling. Di Owen says, uh, Hi Jim, hope all's well. My question is, who do you think will be the top three names in British wrestling in three years' time? Keep up the good work and I'll see you at the ballroom later in the month. Um, so, it depends. If you want three absolutely brand new names to come out of nowhere or, 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 or building a reputation for themselves now, then I'll, I'll give you some names. If I think who will be the most prominent British wrestlers in three years from this exact point, it will be Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Will Ospreay. Because they're still kids. So in three years' time, I think the oldest any of them will be will be 27 years old. So barring serious injury, which I hope happens to no one in wrestling, um, the three biggest names, the biggest British wrestlers that will be performing at that point in time will be those three guys. Um, wherever they end up. If you want three names that will be, um, will all be, independent shows will be being built around in three years' time. Um, I think guys like, if you look at the curve, the, the learning curve that Will Ospreay had from 18 to 21, Maverick Mayhew will be that good. He will be massive. So I'd choose Maverick Mayhew. I'd choose uh, Drew Parker. And I would choose Millie McKenzie, all of whom are young, all of whom are very, very talented, all of whom have the world at their feet. So I think all three of those guys will have shows built around them for years to come. Gareth Butler. Uh, Hi, Jim. With seeing the news of Drew McIntyre being inducted into the ICW Hall of Fame, well-deserved. Indeed it is. I like Drew very much. He's a good guy. This made me think, if there was a Progress Hall of Fame, who would be your vote for the first entrance? Uh, Jimmy Havoc. Like... I I don't think um, the company was doing well and and that when we started, but the Jimmy storyline was the thing that really helped kick us into into high gear. Um, he's the longest reigning Progress champion of all time, um, and yeah, I, I think he's so synonymous with the first three four years of our company that 
it would be strange to not put him in first. So no, Havoc would be first in. Absolutely, no question about that. Um, if I had to choose someone non-wrestling, it'd be John because John does all the work. And you know, to be honest, me and Glenn just ride his coattails. So uh, yeah, but but Havoc would be first in. Joe Sanderson, hi Jim, much love to you and yours, and the cyborg and the executive jazz hand screamer. Nice. My question is, how would you book Wyatt versus Hardy? Would you go full lunacy or pull back and just let them fight? Um, I'd lunacy. I mean, I think it's interesting that WWE have hired Jeremy Borash, who was one of the people behind the broken Matt Hardy gimmick in TNA. Um, and I'd love it. I'd love it if they properly recreated it and just went absolutely fourth wall bending nuts. And they've already done that with Wyatt, so there's already, you know, there's already scope for it to happen. Okay, you know, let's do something. Let's do something nuts with it. Go for it and just go crazy. That's what I'd do personally. Um, I mean, I like both guys, but I don't think Matt Hardy's not in. I mean, he's limping a little bit at the minute. He's not in the greatest physical condition. So, you know, because presumably, I think he's probably older than me. So, you know, let's let's let them go nuts, full on nuts. Let's them just have a feud just based entirely around memes. Just do that. Wayne Outram says, hey Jim, not sure if this will be too late. It's not, mate. Don't worry, you got me. Um, do you think Ronda Rousey will be the one that breaks Asuka's undefeated streak? Maybe. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, we talked about this on the roundtable last week. I don't know if it'll happen at WrestleMania. I don't know what they've got planned for that. Um, but I wouldn't imagine it would happen there. I'd like it if Asuka remained undefeated for a good couple of years more. And then Ronda Rousey just went on a tear of... of beating loads of people getting really really good at the in-ring stuff and and then it being a a match that could main event a pay-per-view because people are so excited about seeing it I think that'd be great I'd love to see that I'm delighted Ronda's in Dudery because I think she's a fantastic she's a fantastic um, she's fantastic at MMA she's always great at that but she was a character above all else she was she grasped what you need to do when you're in MMA to not just be good at the fighting in the same way that Conor McGregor is pretty much a professional wrestler who does MMA. I think Ronda Rousey got that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what she does in WWE. Chris Kiriakides says, Hey boss man, hope life's treating you well and your writing's going well. It's going alright. Um, as each chapter passed, was the general vision of progress, i.e. camera, photography, etc., a thought-out process, or was it, fuck it, this looks great, let's see where it goes? Uh, I'll fight people to defend this, but the visual art of progress is the best in wrestling today, even better than certain camera angles in New Japan. Um, it's down to our cam. We so I forget what show we we landed with the same. Cam- we've used the same camera crew for a long time, and John will be able to tell you this. But I forget what show we actually started using that camera crew all the time. And when that happened, um, we realised because they're very talented and very skilled. At filmmaking outside of wrestling that our shows look different um, and they film things in a certain way and the shows are filmed on D- uh, DSLR cameras as well which means they look a little bit different so it's a thing that's just gradually happened and now we wouldn't change it for the world we know that our product looks different to a lot of other independent wrestling and we're proud of how it looks and super proud of you know of, of, of Al and Jack and Debbie who filmed the shows for us and how great they make those shows look in the same way that we're really proud of of Rob Brazier and James Russell White and their still photography that, that that help us show what our shows are about. It it means our shows feel different because we're not we haven't got the budget that the WWE do to put on the big televised shows. So we we work with what we've got and it means the shows feel grittier but feel cinematic if that makes sense. And 
and that's something that is down to how they film it and how, of course, how John edits the shows. So, um, but it was a gradual thing that I think we really sort of kicked into probably about two, three years ago, and it's it's stuck. And I don't, now I don't think we'd ever change it. Um, God help us if any of them ever want to st- stop filming for us. It'd be really difficult to replace them. So um, let's hope they never do because they're great people and they they're a big reason that that people pay so much attention to us online. Final question, Steve Kenworthy. Hi Jim, what was the very first wrestling event you ever attended and what memories do you have from it? Mine was a WWE live event in Sheffield in the early 90s. I think I was only about 8 or 9 and I was one of those annoying kids that ran to the front during entrances. During one of these dashes to the front, one of the bushwhackers licked my head. I also remember booing Papa Shango when his back was turned but cheered when he turned towards me because I was terrified of him. Yeah, you don't want him to make you throw up black vomit, mate. Um, First wrestling event I ever attended, I attended two or three events at Granby Halls in Leicester um, in the 80s, because I'm old. And I don't remember loads, because in between that time, I've done a lot of drugs. Um, not now, I'm straight edge now, but when I was a teenager. So I, I don't remember a lot. Um, I do remember vaguely seeing Rollable Rocco, um, which was a big deal to me, because he was one of my favourites. Um, you got to bear in mind, I'd never seen WWE at this point. I wasn't even aware as a thing. I only watched wrestling on World of Sport. So I saw Rollable Rocco. I never got to see Johnny Saint live that I can remember. I may well have done because I was little. Um, uh, but he, I know he was one of my favourites off the TV, so I'm sure I would have remembered it. Um, and I remember, because I went to it with my gran, and my gran must have been in her 50s. And I I remember thinking, there's a lot of old ladies here. And there was. There was, a, there was some kids like me, and there was a lot of old ladies. And I remember there was one old lady... And it might have been the first, or it, it could have been one of the other times I went. But I remember one old lady in particular getting so angry that she threw her handbag at a wrestler in a tag team match and then had to politely go and ask a steward to go and get her handbag back. Um, so that's the only thing I really remember for it. And I remember it just being loud and, and me being excited for it. But um, but I don't remember tons and tons about it apart from that. But that was my first one. Granby Halls, which is no longer there uh, in Leicester. It was also a roller skating rink. Um, but no longer there, sadly. Right, thank you for all your questions. Um, hope I've answered them adequately. Any more questions you've got, you can always tweet me, at Jim Smallman. Don't forget to point people at jimsmallman.com slash TNJ, so that's all the different ways that people can subscribe to the podcast uh, and a list of all the episodes I've done thus far. Um, you can still buy T-shirts, and I've got loads left. Um, I'm not getting any more, so if you want one, go there now, jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. Uh, Progresswrestling.com for tickets and merch for Progress. Demand-progress.com for all of our progress shows. Please support everything on the wonderful Distraction Pieces Network because it is great. And I'll be back next week with more podcast-related fun. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.